Hello, you are listening to episode 56 of the Our Weekly Highlights podcast. This is the podcast where we look at the highlighted stories from the current issue of Our Weekly to take a deeper dive into some of the background and some great insights that each of these stories share every single week. My name is Eric, and today we are covering the issue highlights for week 36, released on September 6, 2021. This week's issue is curated by the founder of R Weekly, Wolfram Chin, with help from the R Weekly team members and contributors. While many advancements in technology have brought easier access to a multitude of visualizations, there is one in particular that's been a part of our daily lives, even, for example, when I was a small boy and seeing my parents fold out a paper copy that seemed almost impossible to get back into its original folding format. And that visualization type is maps. Augmenting a map with additional features to illustrate analytical trends has been a mainstay across many domains, such as election results, impact of weather events, traffic patterns, just to name a few. As is custom for the R ecosystem, there are a multitude of packages and workflows available to create your own spatial visualization with maps, even within the base R installation itself. Now going back to 2014, a dedicated package that provides its own grammar graphic style for spatial visualization called TMAP, authored by data scientists at Statistics Netherlands, Martin Tineeks, and assistant professor Jacob Noasad has evolved greatly alongside R itself. If you are looking for a comprehensive guide to the basics and methodology behind TMAP, the authors have been hard at work writing a new freely available book compiled with Bookdown called Elegant and Informative Maps with TMAP, the subject of our first highlight today. While the book is not complete yet, the material in its current form can get you started with TMAP quickly and provide a lot of helpful backstory regarding spatial data formats, which is great for someone new to the landscape of spatial visualization. The book starts out with a thorough examination of the two fundamental spatial data models. The vector data model that represents the world with spatial geometries such as lines, points, and polygons and the raster data model that represents the world as surfaces, or more specifically, a continuous grid of cells that can resemble a heat map. Each of these data models in practice correspond to one unique configuration, but in the real world, we often desire multiple attributes, for example, collected over time, or many of these data models linked together. And that's where spatial data cubes provide an efficient structure to hold these together. The TMAP package comes with out-of-the-box support for spatial data structures provided by the well-established SF and STARS packages, hence treating each of the vector and raster data models as well as spatial cubes as first-class citizens. In the remaining chapters, you will see practical examples on quickly composing maps with TMAP's paradigm that should feel quite familiar to ggplot2 users, as well as how you can effectively translate additional variables and metadata into your spatial viz with choice of colors, size, and shapes in isolation or mixed together. 
looking at the rest of the table of contents, it looks like there's some really exciting material planned for future drafts, including more about interactivity with plots, and looks like there is some features with Shiny coming into play as well. For someone new to mapping in the world of R, such as myself, this is a great way to get started with an excellent package that has stood the test of time. And also, I will have linked in the show notes another great online book that's also available in print called Geocomputation in R, which has one of the same co-authors as well, and it might be a great complement to your mapping journey. As incorporating R as a vital component of production data analysis pipelines and capability development continues to rise, we are seeing some very sophisticated tooling constructed to accomplish the goals at hand. I've personally been involved with designing and implementing a mixture of classification models from the machine learning space with a suite of Shiny applications to put them in the hands of users to make critical decisions. Even when following many best practices in constructing these analytical models and front-end applications, there is one critical input that can make this virtual castle of analytical power absolutely crumble to the ground in a mess of errors, and that, of course, is data issues. Life isn't always all roses and unicorns in the trenches of industry, and even with being proactive and seeking out what constitutes the correct data format and valid ranges of typical variables and other criteria, there is almost always something that falls through the cracks. Even if we can't magically solve gaps in predefining the necessary data checks, we are living in an exciting time to bring together a mix of different solutions to achieve automated ways of knowing very quickly when data quality is compromised. Emily Reederer, Senior Analytics Manager at Capital One and one of my favorite thought leaders in bringing high-impact ideas to leveraging R in production, has another inspiring post on her blog covering a lightweight data validation ecosystem using R and other leading platforms for our second highlight today. Acknowledging that there is a crowded market of developer tools from both the open source and product variety, Emily starts off with the very relatable premise that sometimes the best returns will come from a fit-for-purpose approach that leverages existing tooling that are already part of a company's data science tooling to achieve the desired features of a validation workflow. Mainly, the regular monitoring of data when updates occur, easily accessible reports or dashboards detailing the results of validation checks, and automatic alerts when failures are detected. Now, this is the R Weekly Highlights podcast, after all, so it should be to the surprise of no one that R has many packages that empower you to run data validation checks, such as the sophisticated point-blank package authored by Rich Eon at R Studio. If you aren't familiar with this package, you'll want to have a look at its package documentation, which is excellently written, linked in this episode's show notes, as it is a tour de force with custom functions that fit right in with a unit testing framework. Alongside the ability to generate a dynamic R markdown report, alongside the ability to generate a dynamic R markdown report, 
complete with validation check details. On top of this report, Emily's very own ProjMGR package facilitates an automated process of filing issues on a GitHub repository based on any failed checks from the validation steps. This is another instance of how programmatic APIs bring these connections that simply were not possible many years ago. And it gets even better. Instead of having to remember to run these checks on your own, why not let a CI CD orchestrator, such as GitHub Actions, take care of running these checks automatically throughout each day, and also handle sending the reports to an accessible hosting platform, in this case, GitHub pages of the same repository, as well as an automatic messaging to a communications platform like Slack. Like many of her other thought-provoking blog posts, Emily does a terrific job of not just explaining the what to accomplish a task, but also her criteria and decision points for arriving at the proposed solution. There is a lot of benefit you can gain as you are leveraging R in production and dealing with what could be many complicated and disparate data sources that feed into a very sophisticated pipeline. It is always excellent to find these issues ahead of time or at the very instant that something breaks so that you don't get an angry message from a customer saying that your app completely broke. It's not always that way, is it? So finding these data issues can be a huge help to not just the project's lifespan, but also maybe your own sanity. And not that I speak from experience or anything. A quick note before moving on. Our team at R Weekly has quite a mix of automated checks in place, as well as peer review of the links supplied to each issue. And one of those checks is to make sure we don't include duplicate links from previous issue releases into a current issue. Well, sometimes in the case of package updates, we end up having an issue with a direct link to the package's CRAN entry, and then subsequently, a blog post from the package authors which can make it its way in occasionally to a future issue. This has happened with a particular package that's covered in our last highlight this week, and it turns out that I actually covered this very update in episode 52, and I'll play you that encore clip right now. Another common thread you've heard in previous episodes of this podcast is the values of open source that is one of the big drivers of the innovation in R itself, and of course, its vast community of R packages. Well, the very definition of open means that we are able to share the source code freely and be able to learn from each other along the way. Now, it's pretty obvious by now that many in the R community are sharing their code quite easily with services like GitHub that are providing a web-based front-end for the Git version control system. But it is not the only option. In fact, another service that looks may look quite similar to GitHub, but has its own distinguishing features, has, also has roots in open source itself. While GitHub itself is not open source, another service called GitLab is completely open source at its core, giving you the ability to run your own instance of GitLab on what we might call a self-hosted environment, maybe in an organization or at your academic institution, 
or you can also take advantage of their external GitLab.com service. I've actually been using GitLab for quite a few years on some personal projects, and it has some very unique features that now, thanks to some really cool updates in the R community, we can now take advantage of directly from R itself. In fact, the GitLab R package, authored by Sebastian Rochette, data scientist at ThinkR, has now released version 2.0.0 the CRAN, and that is what we're going to be covering in this highlight. GitLab R, much like similar packages that tie into GitHub itself, such as GH, provide a friendly R-compliant workflow wrapping the GitLab API for managing repositories and take advantage of some unique features. Version 2 introduces a very nice new feature of launching what's called GitLab CI, or continuous integration, directly from R functions. What is GitLab CI, you ask? Well, it is a way for you to define a very simple YAML constructed file to let GitLab run almost any variety of processing or testing in your repository at key events, such as pushing to the main branch. This may sound familiar if you're in the GitHub ecosystem, as GitHub is now leveraging GitHub Actions that provides a similar functionality. But here's a little food for thought. GitLab introduced GitLab CI well before GitHub produced GitHub Actions. And it has worked quite well for many large open source projects and more. Version 2 of GitLab R also introduces a few breaking changes for those of you that have used earlier versions where now many of the functions to integrate with GitLab require the project parameter first, which project in this case might be akin to a repository in GitHub. But other than that change, you should be good to go with taking advantage of GitLab R's cool new features. For me personally, I think it's great to have choice in this realm of where you're actually hosting your code online. Because much like Git itself being a distributed version control system, you never want a single point of failure to impact your project or your package that you're creating. You always want to make sure that people can find it online and be able to interact with the source code in a friendly way. So I'll be certainly trying out GitLab R again, especially with these great new updates, to see how far I can take it with my personal projects. And those are your R Weekly highlights for today. Wolfram, as always, does an excellent job curating the very issue that his sophisticated automation pipeline helps us contribute, as well as our contributors themselves. And you'll find excellent resources, such as how the R OpenSide documentation are now built with the R Universe project. A cool little tip on auto-labeling closing parentheses in the RStudio IDE, a visual history of patent protection, and much more. If you've been inspired by all the great content that we've been sharing on R Weekly and the deeper dives we've been taking in this podcast, why not join our excellent team of contributors and be a part of this really fun community effort? You can find complete details linked at the top of every issue released on R Weekly, as well as on the R Weekly page itself, ways that you can submit your feedback and get in touch with us. Have an awesome week, and we will be back with another batch of R Weekly highlights next week.